Hello. How's it going? This is Kevin Anderson, host of the Bleak and Review podcast, which is what this feed is that you're listening to this from. Now that we've got the business out of the way, there is no regularly scheduled episode of the Bleak and Review podcast today. However, in a moment, we'll be hearing a Patreon unlock, a full episode from the Bleak and Review Patreon, which can be found at patreon.com slash bleakandreview. For just the price of an overpriced cup of coffee <laughs> every month, you can hear this and every episode of the other stuff that's going on over there. This is an episode of Fun Hinged, the podcast that I do with Hollis Black, who you may remember from just a few episodes ago on the Bleak and Review feed playing a silly character. If you're not aware, Hollis and I have been doing this show for a little bit now, and we're going to have some pretty cool episodes coming out soon based on listener suggestions, just like you, but only if you're over there. <laughs> Though I'm not opposed to hearing what kind of stuff you want me to review, even if you're not subscribed, but you might just not be able to hear it for a while because it'll be released on the Patreon. This was a listener suggestion from Ann Bankston, and it's a movie called The Poughkeepsie Tapes. And this is a fun episode because this was the first time in Fun Hinged recorded history that all three of us, me, Hollis Black, and our guest, Ethan Stanislawski, who you may also remember from a recent episode of Bleak and Review, was the first instance where all three of us kind of hated the movie. <laughs> but we had reasons too, and I think we were very eloquent in our reasonings as to why. And you know, it's just palling around with good buds. That's all it is. Having a good old time. So yeah, um, I like this episode a lot, and... It, you know, we dropped it about a month ago or so on the Bleak Interview Patreon, but now I'm releasing it for all of you, mostly because I care about you and not because I was out of town this week and didn't have any guests lined up, nor the time really to even record and edit everything by the time I got back. I was visiting family, you know, trying to trying to do that whole thing, sneak it in there. It's been... It's been a weird revelation, and I'm sure that everybody has this revelation at some point if they move away from home and pursue things in other towns or states or cities or whatever, where it's like, oh yeah, I really do need to accommodate that, it, it, the, the ability to see family, even like, you know, maybe some people have different relationships with their family where they don't get along, and so that's not a high priority for you. Mine is... uh I would say I have a good relationship with my family. We disagree on some things. I will say that I only got punched in the head by my brother once on this trip. <laughs> it was an instance of me being a little, maybe a little too sauced, a little too, a little too tipsy, hanging out with my sister-in-law, watching Across the Universe while my brother was trying to sleep, and I aggravated him to the point where he stormed downstairs and punched me in the head, <laughs> which was pretty frightening. Um, to not have seen your brother in a long time and then, you know, a couple days into your re reconnection, your, uh, your family reunion, you get punched in the head by him. But I'm sure people have, many people have families like that. And we're all good. We've talked it out. It actually was a catalyst for us to open up to each other in a way that we haven't in a long time because we live on opposite sides of the country and don't often get to actually spend time together outside of the occasional Zoom call where, you know, the whole family's involved, and maybe you don't get into that kind of stuff. The 
the hey this is where i've this is the kind of person i've become and that's the kind of person you've become and let's try to sort this out so we can still have a relationship so if it takes getting punched in the head a few times <laughs> for that to happen i'm for it it's not like he broke my glass or anything he clearly aimed for my head and not my face you know i i count that as a as a gesture of goodwill <laughs> or do i have stockholm syndrome i don't know no i don't yeah, so so that was my week. Uh, you may remember from last week's episode of Bleak and Review, I got hit in the head with a bird, and now I'm being hit in the head by a brother. Birds and brothers all flocking together, punching me in the head. And um, yeah, I guess, I mean, this is just kind of like a Bleak and Review intro right now before we get into the, the unlocked episode that's coming. I guess I'll just say, you know, um, well, I'll wait for the footsteps above me to cease. See, that's the thing. Like, I get annoyed when I'm trying to sleep and someone's being rowdy, trust me. And, like, I have those urges to, like, want to go punch certain upstairs neighbors. Like, I'm not gonna ever. And, you know, I know they're not doing it at me. It's just, like, it doesn't occur to them in that moment that they're bothering somebody else. And, like, you can have a conversation about it. Maybe things will change. Doesn't matter. I also feel it's a lot easier, a safer bet to punch a brother than a neighbor. <laughs> I think punching a neighbor, that's that's tricky. That's trickier. I got to live directly underneath this person. And also, I don't want to, but uh, I feel like I want to sometimes. And that's what crankiness is. And uh, I guess before, I don't know, I don't want to talk about the shooting. I don't want to talk about it. I don't normally like, uh, I mean, uh, we shot, we, in case you're just catching up, we shot another child in this country. A cop murdered another child in this country for no reason other than, you know, they're bad at being a cop and kid was black and like at this point like what am i gonna say about it that hasn't already been said at least they arrested and are charging the officer in question who was 26 by the way that kind of blew my mind like i'm 30 so that means that i was i mean and i was 26 when trump got elected so i'm trying to think like, i'm placing myself of like where i was at that time in my life i had a job i had a uh, side hustles i had passions i had uh, a relationship and like all this stuff. And I'm just thinking like, that's crazy to have killed somebody by accident at 26 and to be like, wow. But I mean, like I, that's not new. People kill each other all the time at all kinds of ages. But it just kind of blew my mind a little bit to be like, oh, this seemingly like new young lady cop also, which is, I guess that's sexist, but she was, but she was a lady. And that's the thing is like, you want to intrinsically believe that like, hopefully like, oh, women cops are better than men cops because women tend to be less violent and aggressive than men. But that's not the case. Uh, she shot a guy cause she thought she pulled her taser out and she had her gun out and then pulled the trigger thinking it was a taser, which is insane. What a weird fucking, they're working overtime at the PR department for the cops to justify that being a real thing. Like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. It wasn't that it was uh, she was r racially motivated or, or just plain stupid. It was that she thought it was a taser. And so, like, we don't condone it. But, like, at least there's a sensible explanation for why cops keep killing black people. Why they keep doing it. They keep doing it. Well, you know, cops kill white people, too. Oh, good. Oh, is that that's your defense? Oh, good. They're not racist. They're just murderers. Never call their actions into question. It's fucking insane. And is it going to change? I don't know. I th I think it's going to at some point. I think something big has to happen. And I don't mean like overthrowing the government. But maybe I mean overthrowing the government. 
but I also, you know, as as a quote unquote pacifist, it's hard it's hard to imagine a way that at this point that that could happen without violence. Is this radical? What I'm saying? Am I going to get fucking flagged at the NSA? Probably not. The NSA has plenty more podcasts with much bigger uh, download numbers than mine to worry about. They probably have a whole war just fucking dedicated to combing through every one of Joe Rogan's five-hour podcasts to see if he says anything uh, inflammatory and inciting of violence. <laughs> a whole The whole Joe Rogan squad, the JRS, they're like, nope, just still talking about how he doesn't have a neck or hair. And now they're talking about DMT. And now he's cutting off his guest. Nope, nope, nope. This one's safe, Jim. We're good. <laughs> fucking ludicrous. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to... I'm not going to say anything else about it because it's all been said and there's plenty of information out there about it that you can, you know, suss out and sift through if you if you want to. But you're probably already very aware of it, if you live in America at least, and probably elsewhere too. Because our news is so fucked up all the time that I feel like a lot of people outside of the country still know what's going on here. I only know about like giant things in other countries, like nuclear explosions and stuff. But then maybe that's just, uh, you know, very telling of how fucking insane this country is and continues to be and has always been. Is it going to get better? I want to believe so. Do I know how that happens? No. But I'm not the person in charge of that. I'm just the person who can try to use his art and his passionate pleas to spurn everyone to do the work for him because he's because <laughs> he's barely hanging on so without further ado this is that patreon unlock i was talking about before i think you'll enjoy it this is fun hinged episode 12 with myself my co-host hollis black and our guest ethan stanislawski talking about the poughkeepsie tapes and once again you know check out patreon.com slash bleak and review we definitely go through waves of putting out a lot of content and then having a few dry spells just based on me and my guests and co-hosts availability and schedules. And everyone's trying to do like seven jobs all the time in LA. And the fact that I'm able to record anything at all and get it out there is a fucking miracle <laughs> in my eyes, at least. And I know that maybe some of you have come to maybe not expect the most consistent output from me in terms of this podcast and in terms of the bleak and review podcast and that's fair but i hope you know that i'm trying and i do care about you all very much and the fact that you enjoy what i do and maybe would consider yourself fans of me is uh overwhelming and heartwarming and like the coolest thing going on in my life so Thank you. Whether you're a Patreon subscriber or not, honestly, like I get it. Money's tight. I understand how it goes. I can't expect every single person who listens to Bleak and Review to go over to the Patreon. That's crazy. I listen to a lot of shit. I don't subscribe to their Patreons. I know. I know how it goes. But I do appreciate you. And that's why I'm putting this one out for free. Because I want you to at least get a taste of what's going on behind the paywall. Whoa. So enjoy Patreon Unlock, Fun Hinge, number 12, The Poughkeepsie Tapes with Ethan Stanislavski. Take it away.
Hello, dear patron of the Bleak and Review podcast Patreon page. Hey, that's a lot of peas. This is Kevin Anderson, one half of the hosts of the podcast you're about to listen to, which is called Fun Hinged. In this episode, myself and co-host Hollis Black are taking another listener suggestion. The Poughkeepsie Tapes, suggested to us by Patreon subscriber Ann Bankston. Hi, Ann. Thanks for <laughs> recommending this fucking movie. The Poughkeepsie Tapes is a mockumentary slash found footage horror film about a serial killer in upstate New York from the mid to late 2000s. And um, this movie made uh, us angry, <laughs> but for different reasons, and we'll definitely get into them. But it was very fun to dissect this movie. So thank you so much for your suggestion and on the tip of suggestions, we are going to get to all of them. We have quite a few, and some topics are harder to dive into than others. Also, Hollis and I both have day jobs and other commitments and stuff, so sometimes we, you know, we'll throw in one of our things in the middle just to keep content coming out, but we will get to your topics, I swear, to G-damn Christ. One other thing worth noting is that this episode has a guest on it. You've already noticed that, though, because it's in the title. Ethan Stanislavski is on this episode. He is Hollis's new roommate and a comedian in his own right. If you're familiar with the flagship Bleak and Review podcast, he's been on since the, the living room days, five years now. He's, a, he's an old favorite and a dear friend. And because he happened to watch this movie with Hollis at their apartment, we invited him on to uh, talk some shit and get into it. And he's a delight. So there you go. There's that. Uh, content warning, I guess. I don't know. I already said it's about a serial killer, right? <laughs> so you can extrapolate from that. I don't know. If you can handle, like, true crime stuff, then this probably won't be too shocking to you. But, you know, there's some, some mention of, like, murder and specifically murdering of women, which, ugh, I mean, I, we'll get into it, but that's just a, a thing that frustrates me about this kind of stuff. <laughs> What about guys that kill women, but the movie is directed by men? We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Relax, Kevin. So there's your content warning. Um, again, thank you so much for your continued patronage. My life is settling down a little bit, so I got some gifts coming out to people. I'll be hitting you guys up in the uh, Patreon chat or messaging system, whatever the hell it is. Getting shirt sizes and whatnot, because I'm going to do that soon, I swear. But in the meantime... We're going to be keeping the keeping the, the consistency going. We're going to keep uh, being more consistent with these episode droppings. Episode droppings, that sounds foul. So, uh, you know, thanks for hanging in there during our slow winter months. <laughs> and uh, without further ado, here is episode 12 of Fun Hinged, The Poughkeepsie Tapes with Ethan Stanislavski. Enjoy! Uh, testing, testing, testing. Should I start with my limerick, you think? <laughs> and then yes. we just get into it. Okay. I think yes. All right. You, uh, you are hyping up this limerick so much. Let's just go. All right. Testing, testing, testing. One, two, three. There once were some tapes from Poughkeepsie. I watched it with nobody with me. It was created by men, so let's not pretend the tapes from Poughkeepsie aren't shitty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm ready to go. Welcome back to Fun Hinged, everybody, the podcast where we watch stuff occasionally that you recommend to us my name is kevin anderson joined today of course by my intrepid co-host with the co-most i'm hollis black hell yeah we brought on my roommate and fellow comedian and friend of the show uh, say hi 
Say hi, hi, Ethan Stanislavski. Hi, my name is Ethan Stanislavski, and I am a sufferer of watching this movie. <laughs> now, of course, this is your first foyer into the uh, the world of the Bleak and Review Patreon, but pe- yes. uh, people who listen to Bleak and Review proper uh, know all about you, so we don't have to go through your pedigree. You're great. Oh, well, I thank you. I, <laughs> I'd like to think so. Uh, I, I'm trying to be less aha. Yeah, that's my thing now is when someone says, gives you compliments, say thank you, as opposed yes. to shut the fuck up. Yeah, instead of immediately <laughs> shutting down and yeah. and uh, and being like, I've never done a good thing in my life and you're a fraud for thinking so. Yeah, Let exactly. me explain why your taste is bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything yeah. about you is horrible. That's what compliments were to me until like three years ago when someone said, just say thank you. And I'm like, what the fuck? You can do that? You're allowed? Uh, Are you allowed? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, now this Ethan, you kind of fell into being our guest on this episode yes. because mm-hmm. you and Hollis live together. Now that Hollis is off uh, my couch for the last few months, and now uh-huh. living in a in a room like a like a big person, uh, <laughs> uh, and and you kind of just happened upon this film uh, that was suggested to us by uh, Patreon subscriber Ann Bengston, a long time. Uh, long time caller, first or no, long time listener, first time caller, of course. Uh, Anne's a delight, and what a movie that we all we all watched. Uh, yeah, it was funny. I I was like, okay, we need to we need to watch this. I'm kind of excited to watch it because Poughkeepsie Poughkeepsie Tapes is a it's a movie I've been curious about for a long time. It's had this long running like internet cult status, and I was like, yeah, it'll probably be like probably a little campy, but I'm sure it'll be fun. Hey, Ethan, I'm about to watch this movie for uh, for the podcast. You want to watch? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. I got nothing sounds else. Like, so I've heard the name. Like, yeah. And then we both like got viscerally hurt. And the only thing that kept me going was listening to Ethan occasionally yell, fuck you at the movie. <laughs> I, at, least other times, things. at least five times in this movie, I swore at this movie for fucking existing. Uh, as I as I mentioned in my limerick, I watched this by myself. And I didn't mention this in the limerick, but sober. And I was sitting there oh, like, I, had, I, I, I know, I know at, at noon. Like I started it at noon. <laughs> And I don't do shit. Like, I never do shit at noon. Like, I barely work. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, maybe I, I, I definitely, I was a little prickly going in, but I had to take uh, uh, an inordinate amount of smoke breaks to get through uh, watching this because I was on my own schedule and I was like, like, no, 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 we're pausing. I, I want, we're going to get into it, obviously, but we should tell people uh, at least uh, because, Ethan, you're on the show for the first time. You are very well versed in horror and and stuff. You're you're a horror fan. You have a horror themed sketch group called yes. Night Search that is delightful. Uh, so it was safe to say you're a horror guy. I I mean yes, I would say I'm someone who you know I'm not a deep cut person necessarily, but name like one of the iconic horror movies. I've seen it. I've done parodies of it. I've analyzed it to some extent. Like I've not gone through Shutter's repertoire, but um, sure, sure. Like I've not gone there, um, but I. I have watched every Scream movie. I've watched every Friday the 13th. I've watched every Halloween. You know, you can you can talk to me about all, all the like staples. That. You're you're a man who is not without horror references in your Yes, mind. I can make references to things and be confident <laughs> and be confident in them. And you know, but if you were to go, I'm not like, hey, let's find this weird movie that five people watch. I'm not uh, there are people like that. I respect them, but I don't want to claim to be one of them necessarily. Yeah, but I would I, say I would I'm say, knowledgeable enough. Yes. I would say that this podcast, for for me at least, I don't know about Hollis if they feel the same way, but I feel like this is my first like real uh, 
avenue into that world of like i haven't i never heard of the poughkeepsie tapes before it was recommended for this show and like some of the other stuff that we've watched i've also just like had no like suicide club i had no idea that existed and so i feel like because we started doing this podcast i'm now becoming one of those motherfuckers that's like oh have you seen blah 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 like all these deep cuts whether whether it's worth it or not uh because i was in this i'm very much the same even uh in that like i know like the shining and i know like what i like in horror and right because hollis and i have been you know we live together and stuff i'm getting more versed in it i would say mm-hmm. yeah uh, it's a sickness that has been spread to me <laughs> yeah i'd say just for reference my favorite horror movie is the wicker man uh the original yes uh, not the nick cage not the nick cage though i i have a weird theory on that movie we won't get into it here Ooh. um but it's a fun conspiracy uh not a conspiracy it's just a thought on it but anyway, but like just that's the kind of horror I like, just like really intense emotionally, like I like emotional horror. That's sort of what I am. And I've gotten so to the point. So you didn't yeah. care for this movie. <laughs> no, this movie, well, <laughs> we'll get emotional it. horror, let's describe what yes. this is more there's a difference between emotional horror and emotional ang- and anger horror or fuck you horror, which I don't even know. I don't know. Does this movie count? I was looking this movie up on Wikipedia. It got a 60% Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, how the fuck did anyone give it more than one and a half star in anything? Yeah, you're saying like anger horror or like, like, because I, I put this like, for me, there's like, we talked about elevated horror, right, Hollis? Like the idea yeah, of like, yeah, like totally. the witch and the lighthouse. and those Yeah, your A24 stuff, totally. Yeah. Uh, and then I feel like there is another genre or a subsect of the horror genre. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like, and it can be done really well, but there's like the visceral gritty, like saw or hostile, yeah. like stuff where it's like, yeah, yeah. not as I emotional, mean, more about the visceral nature. Of yeah, it. yeah. Torture porn. It's oftentimes yeah. called, yeah. Uh, which I would, I would argue this movie's kind of torture porn, but it's like torture porn. That's it's, afraid to go for it. Cause half the time yes, when that's upsetting really is happening, it's like, it's, I think I even described it in the moment when we were watching it together, Ethan. It's like some of these scenes that are meant to be upsetting are clearly just two actors who never had training on how to do stage combat correctly and are flailing and aren't doing it right. Right. Also, like, that is not how home footage cameras work. Like, there were like yeah. weird physics yeah, issues I, I do want like, to talk about how they tried to make this look like vhs tape all right you know what it we, like a synthwave music video <laughs> we we should we should run through the plot of this movie yes. and then start ripping it apart that is yes. a very good idea hollis and thank you for keeping us on the rails uh, <laughs> uh at at it's if hollis, hollis is keeping on us Twitter. on the rails we have a problem here. but uh, <laughs> That is that is an accurate read. I, I do agree. Now, as our guest of honor, Ethan, I would like to extend to you the ability to do our coveted 90-second uh, speed run recap of what the Poughkeepsie Tapes is about. Are you are you up for the challenge? Woo, let's see. Uh, the Again, ha- it doesn't have I, to be good or coherent. Yeah, the fact that I don't respect this movie gives me freedom here. I will say exactly, that. exactly. Uh, I will, um, I will put some time on the clock right here, and I will let you know at specific intervals where you're doing on time. But uh, I'm going to give you a three-two count, and then just rapid fire, try to talk beat by beat what happens in the Poughkeepsie tapes. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. And take it away, Donkey Kong music. Okay, so there's a, there's a town called Poughkeepsie. It's in upstate New York. Uh, it is There's a serial killer who ravages it. Um, <laughs> and later on, 
they fought, like, tears it apart. But then it starts with, like, a, a gray woman being pulled out of a grave, and you're like, what the fuck is that? And then they interview the FBI, the cops, and things like that, and they're like, hey, we found, like, hundreds and hundreds of tapes in this weirdo's apartment, uh, him filming him murdering people. And so he initially murders a little girl. 60 you, seconds left. Uh, and then he murders uh, a couple that's picking up, like, hitchhiker situation. But then he gets this, like, teenage, like, college-age girl, and, he be and she basically becomes his torture slave. Um, so it's like, has her in the basement and is just like, you are going to be my slave, calls her slave, like, you're going to do my fucking bidding. And he keeps murdering people, um, and he keeps, re he records everything, um, and the, the cops have like, are trying to find him, they're like, he's probably in law enforcement. The whole thing with why he's so good, 30 is that seconds he keeps left. changing up his style. And so eventually they, they get this cop, who they think, oh, this detective's been at all the scenes, things like that, so he's clearly him, they get the death penalty, and they're like, actually, that was not him. This was a cover-up. This was like, he made it seem like it was him. And then September 11th happens and it gets swept <laughs> under the rug. And then the woman gets found alive and she's like fucking traumatized and she kills herself two days later uh, or whatever after the interview. And then that she's the one whose grave is pulled up and you're like, ooh. And then they're like, ooh, if you're making this movie, he may be in the movie theater with you. Uh, ooh. And time. That was 90 seconds on the dot, my dude. Hell well done. Wow, that might be our best one yet. <laughs> I'm surprised that I remember that many details. I thought it was a fever dream when I was that, in it. You yeah. you did a, an admirable job for a movie that barely has a plot. Yeah, <laughs> I, that, that movie was... did not deserve a summary that good. That's what I, <laughs> I know. You know what the best part of the movie was? Um, and maybe it was just like in like the cut of the film I got. I don't know if everyone else had this experience. Um, I think the best scene in the movie is when they go and now we don't know where he is. He seems to have left Poughkeepsie. And then your roommate turns to you and goes, he could be in your town. <laughs> That's the best part of the movie. He might be in, he might be out there in Bakersfield, California. Better get a gun. <laughs> yeah, like in Bakersfield, you don't already have several yeah. guns. You already have guns and a 1488 tattoo on your fucking shoulders. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you may be an Oath Keeper. You never know. But, uh... Perhaps you're an Oath Keeper. <laughs> So yeah, that this is a uh, uh, that was very good, Ethan. You did a very good job of that, and I think people already know the podcast could end here, but it's certainly not going to. Uh, this is a film from two thousand nine, which seems late for how. No, it's actually from earlier than that. Was it? I thought it was two thousand seven. Really? Okay, uh, I, 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 I may be misread, but... but there wasn't there like a delay in like when it was released versus when it was made? possibly. Yeah. Okay, so um, no, not really in that. Re well, releases depends on how you define release. So it was made in two thousand seven. Uh, one of the only fun facts I could find about it is that when it was made, it was shot in fifteen days. To which I would say, maybe try a longer time next time, guys. <laughs> um, so it was filmed in 2007 uh, and it had a limited like theater run. So a lot of like, you know, like horror festivals, certain towns, like it probably played here in LA, for example, sure. at, like a place like the Lemley back select before that theaters, got turned into yeah. an AMC, you yeah. know, so, select theaters across the country and in, in, yeah. in hip, cool cities. The Chicago, Arrow and Santa Monica, like and, places. Yeah. And then it was set to be released in 2008 via MGM. Uh, and then f no reason was given. It just wasn't released. And and so it just sat in limbo for a long time. And that's more or less why this movie now has a cult status, because it was eventually released in 2014 via like video on demand, like DirecTV. 
and then it didn't get a proper like physical release and get on things like Amazon until 2017. And so that was the thing is like everyone was so curious and fascinated by this movie because it's the found footage horror movie that no one can see. We've just right. seen this one spooky gif from it where the gif is uh, when the woman is like taped up in like the corner of the frame and he crawls in he with crawls a mask over. on top yep. of his head and everyone's like, what is this movie? Right. And that's all we had to go by for years. And so if you were a horror nerd, like either you saw the original or you just wondered what's on those tapes, what's on those tapes. And the answer is it's mostly policemen going, man, those tapes are so fucked up without actually showing you truly fucked up parts. Yeah, it's it's very benign in the sense of like, like we we're talking about torture porn a little bit earlier. I would say there's only a few moments of actual torture porn esque stuff the rest of it is just like him saying fucked up shit but not like you don't see any of it for whatever reason and these tapes are supposed to be like that's one of the things and we, we can go plot point by plot point in a second if we want but i one of the things that i found uh, immediately upsetting about this film was like how much they were hyping up these tapes of like one of the FBI guys and it should be, it should, first of all, it I know should be, exactly you, what you're you know, about to quote. You know exactly what I'm going to say, but first of all, I, it needs to be pointed out. This is a mockumentary. It's not a real, it's not, it. it's, it's a fake true crime expose on a not, not real funny. serial killer. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Funny. I'm saying like, it's just fake. It's not like a parody or a satire. It's just not real. And so yeah. that's like the only reason that it could be called a mockumentary because it's about a serial killer that doesn't exist and it follows all the true crime beats. And there's like this moment early on in the film where one of the FBI analyst guys to the camera says, my wife watched 30 minutes of one of these tapes and I couldn't touch her for a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm that like, moment, okay. I'm like, okay. Moment, like, oh, this is, this is, this is going to be... <laughs> offensively campy like not fun campy like again me i think that was the first of my many fuck you yells at the camera sure absolutely the brothers doddle uh they come in with this that's who directed and wrote this by the way is the brothers who gives a shit uh (laughs) but like he comes in with this energy of like you're gonna see some fucked up shit but they don't actually show you much fucked up shit other than hollis the scene you're talking about with like the needle in the neck and the weird fucking mask thing. Like that's one of yeah. the only times you see actual like violence, I feel like. Yeah, and that's the funny thing is like, uh, I was making fun of it in the moment. Um, but now like, cause I, I, I wrote a plot recap just because I wanted to make sure I caught every little beat. Uh, so there's this one part where he, uh, like a fucking idiot decides to chloroform the driver of the car he's in because i guess he's like i'm a golden immortal and this no, is yeah, i wrote that down too I, I i wrote down yeah bash the driver of the car because he does he like bashes the driver and then they crash and then he chloroforms the wife and the passengers yeah and it's just like why would you do that while you're in the car whatever hand raising motion if you're this manipulative sociopath you can get get them to pull over and then you do that shit but while driving and the whole thing is like he's so careful like he's so meticulous um yeah pick a lane yeah like he's either crazy or he's meticulous like and i get it later in the movie they're like check out what the profiler said about him right they can't get a consensus because he varies his methods so much but also like fuck off can Uh, i I say can i say before we go further in the plot that uh, a big thing for me on this this tip like when i was watching this is hollis i think you know this about me already and ethan maybe not but i don't like the genre of true crime already like i don't i don't find it 
like even though that's what my company does uh, like i don't i don't find appeal or i don't find any appeal of like let's talk about a bunch of women who actually died and so i already go into this thinking like the whole my whole review of this film in my brain is like so you made fake true crime because you just think serial killers are interesting and that was the weird tint that this whole movie had for me is like you are glorifying this and you don't really have any answers does that yeah. ring true at all for you guys there's a bit of that because like i well i also have a similar issue there is that i the only true crime media i really enjoy is last podcast on the left and that's because they constantly shit on the killer right like, my impression of last podcast on the left is henry zabrowski going and then BTK, he comes at you, and you know his breath smells like ham. Like, that's <laughs> that's how we would describe some shit like that. Right. And that's so, why yeah. I like them. Because fuck this, like, you're such a genius thing. Like, no, most most killers are actually fairly inept humans who happen to be kind of good at one thing. Yeah, my thing on true crime is, like, wait, you're telling me cops suck at their job and suck in general? shocker like yeah. wow and you know they, they these serial killers prey on the vulnerable and no one catches them because society doesn't give a shit about them wow that's really what i want to hear about and not and like that's going to be compelling and not just fucking infuriating that's really yeah. my thing with yeah that. it's it's yeah because i've uh especially when i lived with adam todd brown because he was doing a a, a true crime podcast at the time like and i would just happen to catch some of the stuff he would be watching on like investigation discovery and all that shit um Am I lagging? I can't tell if I'm lagging. Your your video is, but your audio is not. Okay, good, 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 good. That's all. That's all I need to worry about. Uh, I'm just writing down a timestamp so I can edit that part out. Um, yeah, like I, I I watch a lot of this stuff, and the thing that's always frustrating to me is how it's just a bunch of people talking about an actual crime or like a horrible thing. They don't. It's not like dramatic in the sense that like there's a ebb and flow in the hero's journey. It's just like we're going to just tell you all of the gross details because you're kind of a perverted fuck and you want to know about this shit or whatever. And like, that is bad enough when it's a real thing, but then to create a fake killer to the point where when I Googled this movie to find out some specific info about it and Google was like, people also asked, like people were, most of the questions that people also asked was, was this a real killer? Is this yeah. based on a real thing? And I thought, I thought that was just kind of shitty. I don't know. It, it kind of yeah. bummed me out. Well, yeah, well, and see, that also goes into, like, the the legacy of this film is that you have to keep in mind that when it came out, um, this is pre-paranormal uh, activity. Like, this was, like, it was basically Blair Witch and then, like, some real cult shit that most people wouldn't know about. I'm not naming names yet because I'm saving those ones for the recommendation section at the sure, end. Sure, sure. Um, but, like... Yeah, at the time, found footage wasn't a super common thing. And so there was this thing of like, whoa, Nolly was just claiming to be real, but it wasn't released for so long, probably because it was so shocking. Like, right. It, know, it's, it's, what's what do we not know about it? Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, like when you don't have all the information, you invent your own narrative. And what's the most upsetting narrative? It's that this is real. Right. Yeah. And they really try to they really try to lean into that, I think, in this. And I, I, I got like a thing of like you're trying to recapture some Blair Witch energy here, but for some reason it's not working for me. Well, I mean, and largely in part, I remember even like thinking like okay, so the first instance of this, because uh, I just it's a very specific gripe that we all have, I'm sure. And I wanna kind of dive into it because I remember 
So the first kill we see him do, he he approaches this little girl, asks her a bunch of weird questions, and then when she gives him guff, I guess, he hits her with his camera right. and drags her into the car. And I remember thinking, like, well, videotapes don't distort in that way. Yeah. And then I turned to Ethan and went, like, you work more with, like, physical cameras than I do. I'm like, yeah, this is like, not is how it, Is it possible works. for it to... Like, because I was starting to wonder, like, is it because he more than once has used the camera as a weapon? And has that knocked something out in a way that wouldn't normally happen? No, it looks But then like, the next scene happens, yeah. and it just turns out that every fucking camera in this movie does this. Yeah. And that's not what VHSs ever do. Yeah. I, I have watched many an X-Men cartoon on VHS in my youth, and I've never had that kind of weird filter on any of No matter how many times I've recorded over the same tape. <laughs> Kevin, didn't I, you know that if you record something really fucked up, it causes the the Photoshop emboss filter yeah, to yeah. appear on screen? I think uh, I think Photoshop is giving it too much credit. <laughs> MS Paint. This is solidly iMovie edited. So not even uh, not even Final Cut though. That would be appropriate I, for this all, era. All it, you know, what would be perfect, Ethan, is if it had that iMovie blue template screen for the title of like the Poughkeepsie tapes, like the classic stock blue screen that you see on YouTube videos that are made in iMovie and it's like fake yeah. like scrolls or one of those, like, generic, not mine like, do not copyright please don't sue me <laughs> yeah or one of those like I don't know if you remember like iMovie in like 2005 2006 it had like five generic intros you could pick one of them oh like, yeah put, and then burn onto a D, uh, DVR like it, that would be the beginning of this movie is like <laughs> yes. that kind of thing yeah, I remember my first note was after I made jo a joke about how the Brothers Doddle are my favorite folk group. I, I, I said, <laughs> I, and then I said, coming in hot with a corpse stealing. Uh, uh, and then I know it's a real place, but they keep saying Poughkeepsie tapes. Like that shit doesn't sound inherently silly. <laughs> it's oh, the Poughkeepsie tapes. Yeah, may let's I, go over this, Hollis. May I read my first three notes? Please, <laughs> yes. So the first three notes I wrote... Um, the first one, you can tell I was still taking the movie seriously and it quickly devolved. Yeah, oh, mine too, yeah. <laughs> okay, so open on funeral, followed by a shot of presumably the same body being stolen from the grave. Quote, oh, it's set in Poughkeepsie. That's why it's called the Poughkeepsie Tapes. My roommate, Ethan. <laughs> Quote, also tell them I know where Vassar is because I'm not a fucking idiot. <laughs> Ethan, upon learning that I wrote that quote down. <laughs> <laughs> so meta. Which, which at the if you don't know, Vassar's in Poughkeepsie. But um, <laughs> oh, I didn't know that because I'm yeah. Sorry to Vassar explain to you. Um, but uh, but uh, you know, I, I am the Vassar. Literally... You are the slave. I am the Vassar. You are the slave. <laughs> uh, if you don't know, that's a reference to the movie The Poughkeepsie Tapes. And you probably but, uh, don't know because why would you watch this? Why would you watch this? No, I, I was gonna say, oh man, when I first notes when Hollis told me they were taking those notes down, I was like. Oh fuck! I'm gonna look like an idiot in this in this recap. But then I watched the rest of the movie. I'm like, no, that's actually relatively intelligent to everything going on in this fucking <laughs> yes. exchange here. So I'm fine. So I don't respect this movie. Now I, I I'm just as going through my notes. I think we should go beat for beat and talk about the things that uh, upset sure. us, or if there is anything that we liked. Those things. There's only one moment no, in this movie nothing. that I. There's only one moment in this movie that I kind of thought was like an interesting 
move, but it's much later and it's not, it still doesn't redeem it. At Don't all, apologize for this movie. It sucks. Oh, I never it's apologize. Legit. I just thought it was funny that 9-11 overshadowed a, 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 a wrongful uh, a a death sentence. I thought that was funny. And Ethan and I, I both that. cackled when we saw yeah. the date it's, September it's 9th. Like one of those, yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where like you, you're in a you're in a comedy show or something like that and then someone like as a joke says on September 11th, 2001. <laughs> It was it it was like that moment, but it was meant to be taken seriously, which is like yeah. what the fuck. Yeah, they were they were oh. just desperately going for cultural rebel- relevance. <laughs> All right, so so backtracking, because uh, that's the thing is I was I was going to make fun of this, and then we 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 went off on a tangent. But sure. So the next beat in the movie, so he kills that couple, right? And so I I made fun of it in the moment, and then I had to look at the plot synopsis to figure out that like that's what I was looking at. Because at the moment, I, I couldn't stop laughing at because uh, after he crashes the car and all that. Um, he, it is fine. He's just he, fine. He Yeah, and is fine. He cuts off the the husband or boyfriend's head and sews it into her body. Right. Right. But the thing is, like, I didn't learn that until later when they explained that in the autopsy because it didn't translate on screen very well at all. At in all. fact, I'm learning about it now. I didn't know yeah. that was the same people. Apparently, that was like in the shot, and like it just didn't fucking translate. It was like so from my point of view, yeah. I was laughing because from my point of view, it seemed like the next shot was a lady being woken, going ah, scared, and then he and starts then, speaking in an it, evil then, voice. No, no, no. no. And it cuts and then it cuts to a police class and it shows a woman crying in reaction to this and I'm like right why the fuck did why are you going to quantico if that broke you it's just a woman waking up it's like, like they, it's, it's like they tr- in the gritty shit yet dude the way this shit is edited first of all the editing is terrible the, the sound garbage. mixing especially Hot in this garbage. is really yeah. frustrating to me but the way like that kind of shit that you're talking about that scene, it's like they were trying to make a torture porn film, but get a PG 13 rating. So more butts would be in the seats. Yes. Yeah. It's wild to me that that is how this plays out because the subject matter at its core lends itself to a heavy, like, like NC 17 almost rating, like, or rated yeah, R totally. at the very least. But like, you don't, see this shit to the point where it's detrimental to the flow of whatever narrative they're trying to create. Right. Also with that woman, like having that reaction at Quantico, this is not like a, a FBI 101 class. This is like an advanced class that like, you have to want this as your specialty. So if you're a person who's at that level, you're not going to be like, Oh, a woman's sad. Right. Oh my God. Right. I can't handle this anymore. You're not some fucking sophomore in college. Who's taken a forensic psychology class for their psychology minor. Like yeah. I did. <laughs> like, of course you absolutely did. Some, of course I did. And that guy was Swedish and handsome and said, did you know that Anderson is a Swedish surname? Just wanted to let you know. And I was like, Oh my God, please fuck me. Well, isn't um, that with uh, two S's? Anyway. Uh, you know, technically in the in the motherland, it is. Yes. Yeah, you know those, uh, you know, uh, Huns with their SSs. Oh, certainly. Uh, <laughs> but okay, but can we talk about how I thought balloons were going to be a bigger part of this movie? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Shit, so they brought point, that up like that was going to be a thing. So at one point in the film, uh, we get a scene of a lady. Uh, she. She is instructed to blow up a balloon. She's wearing lingerie. She is instructed to blow up a balloon. And then she sits on the floor and he makes her sit on it. And then he gets uh, verbally violent, just like, now pop it. Were you heard what I said? Pop it. And later in the film, 
when a cop is framed, they keep intercutting her sitting on the balloon. It's a metaphor then, for a for cop, something. For yeah, my, yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, when they that that was I was just gonna say that was also my other favorite part is that then when he's given the lethal <laughs> objection. Finally, the balloon pops, and the gal looks surprised as the balloon pops under her butt. Oh and no! The cop turns to me and yells and goes, "It's a metaphor." <laughs> <laughs> I literally said that. Yeah, I, 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 I was trying so hard. Like, look, I I wasn't giving this movie too much of my mental uh, capacity. Like, I wasn't dedicating all my brain power to it to figure out what the hidden meanings could have been. But I looked at that and I was like, "You're trying to do something here." And I don't fucking know what it is, and nobody knows what it is, and that's what you're banking on is that it's too convoluted to ever be anything. But it's I, so dumb. You know I can break it down. Yeah, is you sitting on a thing and then it pops. I can, and then a I can break dies. it down real easy. Break it it's, down. It, okay, so one, they're banking on the fact that people didn't know the balloon fetishes were a thing. Right. It's 2007, and so, like, at this point, I'm in late high school, and 4chan is still a popular thing, right. so that's just still shocking to a modern audience. Sure. And it's a thing of, like, it's a fetish thing, and so, therefore, the moment of the cop dying is this killer's climax. Very clever, guys. You <sighs> did it. Yeah, I guess I guess you know that's something. Uh, I'll give it to. Like, it's not. Like, it's not. Well, no, it's it's not anything. though. It's, it's dog shit. It's it's something. Some, dog shit is also something. Uh, <laughs> I will say, I will say it is like, a substance. That is correct. I will say that I didn't read it that way, but also I wasn't even like I couldn't. Like I said, noon sober. I couldn't sure. give it. I couldn't give it that kind of thought because I, by the time that happens. I've just been beaten down by this movie for so long that I'm mm -hmm. not expecting anything interesting to come out of it. Uh, I just thought it was interesting that like they brought it up like Chekhov's gun in the first act where they're like, oh, a lot of this was balloons. It's Chekhov's balloon fart. It's was... <laughs> <laughs> the episode. Yeah, That's I know. The it's, the episode. Chekhov's balloon fart. Review. That's absolutely the episode title. <laughs> But like that's the only time that they mention it ever again, though. It's not like a through line. It's just a thing. Yeah. It's brought up once and then again later and confuses you. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I thought that was weird. And then there was. And then and then like in general, like just tonal notes throughout. Like, am I crazy or was this like some of the worst acting? Oh my god! Right? Okay. Yeah. Like I, I also, specifically in the tapes, like the tapes, like the, the FBI people, whatever, they were just doing confessionals to a camera that didn't oh, bother me. But like, you know the what? Tapes were bad. I thought I want to. Yeah. Yeah. The tapes sure were bad. I mean, it's like I said before, it was like actors who didn't know how stage fighting worked. And so they thought like, ah, if I move your wrist a lot while yelling, do it. And you go, ah, that's like upsetting. Right. And yeah. It Once is they brought out the not for the reason that you intended. It's, it's upsetting like to you because I took to do drama porn. in high school. Yeah, it's literally like um, an elementary school torture porn performance is the is one of the ways I can describe it. What, what, yeah. uh, what are the things? And again, I try to contextualize this in the time of like, you know, mid aughts, whatever, like 2007. I was trying mm -hmm. to be like, OK, but like when that plague doctor mask came out, I'm like, so you're just doing eyes wide shut now? Like, what do you do? Like, like you have to we got to make sure everyone knows that this guy is crazy. I, and they I'm bring out sure the they... guy, the Comedia dell'arte guy to explain the mask. Yeah, that was some totally... pretentious bullshit. who didn't have time to remove the grease paint from his face. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he was right he's off just the set. Too, he's just too busy acting. <laughs> he couldn't possibly be bothered to make his face paint. It's just like the guy who can't stop unloading crates to talk to yeah. hey, the I, murder police. He's loading the crates up. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen him around here in three weeks, but don't mind me. I got to get back to putting boxes in this truck. <laughs> but uh, yeah. that, that, is, that is uh, the blue collar comedian, the art guy. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The new yeah. character. Camellia del Fart. Yeah. You know? Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, like, I, that was when I started being like, okay, so you're trying to make this guy. They're, they really wanted you, I think, as the viewer to think that this serial killer was deranged in a way you haven't seen before. And like, but like, it felt like yeah. everything that he was doing was either stilted and hackney or like, like unnecessarily dramatic. Like his or like outwardly dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Dumb. Yeah, because like, yeah, I, in fact, that was the moment for me uh, when when we first see him going to kidnap Cheryl uh, and kill her boyfriend. Right. And you see him in the closet and he's got, yeah, the plague doctor mask with the long nose. Uh, that was the first time that because I have a I have a high threshold for dumb bullshit when it comes to horror and anime, anything like that. Like I can suspend for so long. Sure. Seeing that mask, that was the point where. It was no longer Ethan's turn. I then yelled, fuck you at the movie <laughs> when I saw that. Absolutely. No, that's the right time to do it. And I think like, and like there, it was weird because they were doing like a film about like a thing that had these cheesy filmatic elements in it. Like the story being told like the, oh, I think I feel like someone's watching me while he's listening yeah. on the phone. Like this sounds like a cheesy slasher flick, but they tried to contextualize it in this true crime narrative that like all of it, it just didn't mesh well for me. Mm -mm. It, it was no. crazy. It did lead to my favorite line read ever though. Oh, please tell me. Cause I got, I got one for later, but yes. All right. So, um, you know, before I get into that, I just do acknowledge that, like, man, yeah, some of the framing and the kidnapping sequence was just insane. Like, you thought that you thought anyone would believe that a guy was able to just walk through a living room, get right behind them, and then watch them wake up a moment later on, like, fucking. It was like one of those, like, porn videos where they're having sex, like, right in front of you, and you're supposed to be like, oh, wait, I don't know they're having sex. It was like that, but the yeah. horror version. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm fucking my stepsister behind this couch. Mom doesn't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then, but then after that, we get an interview with Cheryl's best friend, where she's like, <laughs> yeah, and then, um, and then Cheryl, uh, she's been acting weird, and she said, uh, she felt like do you, she asked, "Do you ever feel like you're being watched?" And I said, "No, I, you know, maybe you're just being paranoid." And she said, "Yeah, that's probably it." Hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> like that's how she said it. Like, yeah. Yeah. it was like, a, it was like a, we dead. Yeah, it was like a perfect pause <laughs> and a look at that camera, like. You are trying to be an asshole by saying this. You know, you know what would have been better is if she goes like, yeah, so I guess I just thought she was being paranoid. Big mug to the camera. I won't have what she's having. <laughs> like, <laughs> it may as well have been that. Well That's the been. thing. It may, has, may have fucking well has been that. I would have appreciated that so much more because at least it would show they don't think they're fucking doing anything worthwhile. Right. <laughs> Um, check please. <laughs> don't go there. I want oh, my ride here. Right, right there. 
Talk to the hand. Like, Talk to the hand because the face don't want to be attached to the body. Uh, <laughs> now, I wrote a note here that I want to bring up to just because I think this is a good talking point. Uh, I said, this is the McCamey manner of horror films. Does that resonate with you two? Yes and no. That I had, in a moment, I felt that about like McCamey Manor, Ethan, if you don't know, is an extreme haunted house where the guy story, basically yeah. just beats the shit out of people and like puts cockroaches up their ass or whatever and like waterboards them. And there's like, hey, this is horror. I felt like they missed everything that's good about horror and especially found footage horror. And in terms and, and in lieu of just like saying crazy shit or just using crazy buzzwords and stuff like instead of actually getting to the core of what makes people scared this had leaned into being a full-on parody there could have been something worthwhile but it was like in this weird middle zone i thought the same thing dude i thought the same thing i thought if if they fucking epic movied this like if they did like a parody of a true crime thing like this and like he could be that deranged, but it could be like his crazy theatrical acting and weird line reads. Like that would have made sense. Like I would have actually, that's a movie I would not be opposed to seeing, but like it was, it wasn't a weird middle ground, wasn't it? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I, I feel like the, the trope of like, he changed up his style. That's what made it so hard to catch. I think it's just like, you just don't have a clear vision of what this fucking killer is. It's not, you're using like, you're using your lack of vision as like, as a, as a genius move, like as a plot point. Yeah. We had seven serial killers. We wanted to mimic, but we couldn't land on which one we were going to do. So we just picked and pulled from each one and said that this guy was a mastermind. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Exactly. I totally see that. Uh, Another great line read that I wrote down here uh, from the news. When they, they cut to the news at some point, Police are warning local prostitutes to stay off the streets. I don't know why. I don't know why that line read fucking killed me. I was like, they don't just say say prostitutes, local Local prostitutes. prostitutes. Yeah, that's great. And then, yeah, that was another thing. There was like a scene where he was picking off hookers for, and then like that was like two minutes and then you never heard about that thing again. And it's just like. And then there's the whole well, like okay, so here's the thing I would love to dive into. Yes, please. I can't stop thinking about it ever since I revisited it. So so one of his things is that he changed his styles. He only targets sex workers now because it's it's to throw off throw off the profiling, right? And right. so that he can specifically pin his crimes on this one cop that works this beat. But here's the thing is that also he planted evidence to really frame that cop and they later speculate that that cop was a sperm donor. So perhaps he got from there. So here's what I would like to imagine is this guy just coming and be like, hi, yes. I need this cop's jizz. Part of me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Officer green. Um, I need his spunk. How much must I pay you for his spunk? Please deliver me his seed. Whatever, whatever. Excuse me, you do not understand. Cover. I am very charming and clever. I need that man's spunk. You know Listen, what? Whatever an actual woman who wants to have a baby is paying you, I'll double it. <laughs> <laughs> like Miles Standish from Crank Angers. How much does your average woman charge for this? Double it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a thing that I actually like. I remember that now, but because of how late in the movie that's brought up, I forgot that was even a thing. Like that was literally yep. like a, a hastily added addendum of like, oh no, how yeah, did he like get these, this guy really Oh, because he was a sperm donor and he fucking and you could just go get specific people's cum if you go to the sperm bank. 
Just go, yeah. I want Dave's yeah. cum. Give me Dave's <laughs> cum. <laughs> like, what the fuck was that about? Yeah, they gloss over it. it and, like, that's why they, I'm so glad that I went through, like, the, the plot summary and, like, wrote it all down. Because I got to that moment of, like, oh, yeah. He specifically got that guy's cum from a sperm bank. Did you rob it, or are you such a smooth talker? He's a smooth criminal. <laughs> or maybe in this film's universe, you can just, you know, go to a, it's like a library, and you just like, hey, like, hey B, I would like C, to borrow uh, there this is, man's cum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll return. I'll return half of it in uh, three weeks or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so one of the, the part of me, dear receptionist, I'd like to make a cocktail. I'd like one splash of Paul, three drips <laughs> of Timothy. <laughs> And, and of course, three drops of spring water to bring out the authentic taste. And then yeah. uh, on the rocks and uh, God, <laughs> take a glance at a, at a bottle of vermouth. That's all I want. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to compromise the integrity of the, of the cub. <laughs> so. <laughs> and this is the part of the film. This is the big second act uh, 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 pinnacle, a climax moment where they uh, condemn the wrong man to death. And this is literally the only part of the movie that I thought was interesting and worth exploring is that like death penalties have been inst like put upon people who are innocent all the time. And I think that's an interesting concept. And I really like, I would have liked it if they dove into that more. They sure did it. Yeah, no, that's like one of the most frustrating things about the movie is every now and then it glances at an interesting subject and goes, it's an interesting subject, huh? Anyway, the movie is about a different thing now. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Now we're now it's Girl Scouts showing up at the door or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Also, I called that one from the start because uh, yeah, there is a part where uh, these two Girl Scouts show up at the killer's door and he's taping them, and I remember feeling a slight unease of like, oh, are you gonna? <clears throat> so yeah, we haven't brought it up until now. Obviously, this guy's most operandi. It's not just a a killing thing it's a sex thing he yeah. Yeah. he for sure rapes pretty much everyone he's killed yeah, yeah. and mostly um, after they're dead yeah 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 and there's a whole and, thing of like they yeah then they interviewed ted bundy oh, like out of fucking nowhere i and, forgot about that and too. then it's like and then he's like yeah you'll definitely fuck fuck them after they're dead and it was just like it's just like why are you throwing in like a like a fucking Watergate like deep throat version yeah, of Ted now, Bundy right now, now? We're trying to blend this with your reality and be like, look, we got Ted Bundy in on this, dude. This is a sick just ass like, collab. If you have Ted Bundy in your serial killer movie, that is like the the fucking showcase. This is like forty minutes in. It's like thirty seconds. Like, yeah, we got Ted Bundy to talk about it. It's like, what the fuck? You got Ted fucking Bundy. Special celebrity drop-ins abound on this. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, that, fucking, that was crazy. I forgot about that too. Like that was such a weird scene to even involve in the film at all. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, uh, going, going back to it though, like we get these Girl Scouts at the door and I don't know, I just, something about the movie, I just read it immediately. It was just like, okay, these girls are here and, I get you want me to feel queasy because the implication is that these are two children who are about to be killed and raped. Yeah, like uh, the like the earlier child has been. Yeah, you already, already yes. had a child rape and kill scene. Yes. So now and you're so, like, oh, it's going to happen. Ooh, what if that happens? It's like, it's already fucking happened. Yeah, well, it's going to happen double, you know, because there's yeah. two of them. And for <laughs> some reason, I just knew. I'm bored with it at this point. <laughs> well, I've been desensitized. 
Well, that's the thing is like the second they stepped in, I was just I knew immediately like, oh yeah, this is the part where you're gonna try to like freak me out, but you're not gonna go through with it. This is the line too far for you, and I know that it is. And I don't know why I knew it, but it just fucking was. And you know what? It was. The movie didn't go through with it. The big reveal is that hey, check it out. That table that was actually that girl who we Stockholm syndromed and brain broke. Brain broke is. Into being his like slave, yeah, yeah. The Carol, what's her name again? I can't even remember. Carol, Carol, yeah. Like that's something we haven't even really talked about. But like, she is kind of a weird through line, but also doesn't make sense in the context yeah. of it. It's like she's just yeah. around. He makes her wear a mask and be his slave, and they like make a Stockholm syndrome thing out of it at the very end. But like, it's not even part of the the. It's really not even part of the narrative. Yeah, well, yeah. it's funny too because like Stockholm syndrome is such a weird and fuck thing. Not because the syndrome is fucked, uh, but because it's not a thing. It's right. not a thing. Not really. Uh, I I was just reading about it earlier today. By coincidence, it wasn't even me like seeking it out because right. of this movie. Um, but no, it's a worn out trope that needs to be retired because really, what what Stockholm syndrome actually is usually most cases of Stockholm syndrome are actually hi yes I'm going to say the right things because I'm still scared they're going to hurt me right yeah. right not because I actually fall in love with them yeah it's not a thing it's more of a it's more of a protection thing than a, yes. like I'm infatuated with the my captor yeah. yeah no I could see that I could see that totally um before we go I think uh, I think because I know we want to get into a little bit more of the lore of this film and stuff in a second. I think we should go to a break in a second here. Also, I have to pee really bad. But I, one thing I want to say before we go to break and the plot recap, and we can keep going for a minute, obviously. But uh, my my, you mentioned your favorite, uh, your least favorite line in the whole film, Hollis. Uh, mine is after the cop is uh, uh, wrongfully fucking put to death. Then we learn that the killer is still active after his death. Uh, the worst line is when he gets that British lady in the back of a cop car that he got somehow. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. I about this fuck so this mad this line. I'm so glad that you know exactly what I'm going to say because the worst line in this fucking movie is <sighs> let's make a deal. We'll pull over and I'll just rape you, but I won't kill you. Who talks like that? No, no, okay. Oh, not even that line. That's not the line. Oh, the I, assumptions I line. line Are you talking about the assumptions line? Because that's bad too. You no, know, that no, was no, awful no. too. You assume. But yeah, that no, we Hollis and I had the same thought. No, uh, tell me, tell me about it. It's it's not even that. Because like, yes, I get those are very shocking moments, but I just expect them from this dumbass. Well, it's not even shocking. It's just a clunky, awful line. Like, oh, here, sure. we'll make a deal. I'll just rape you. Ha ha ha. This is how people talk. No. <laughs> yeah, totally. But what was your line? What was your line? So she tries to escape out of the back door, and he goes, "You think I didn't remove the handles?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. not how cop cars work. That's They're not how cop cars work. You wouldn't need to remove the handles. They just lock they on don't, their own. Yeah, they don't open from the inside. You're a dumb work. idiot. I dropped out of community college, and I'm smarter than you. <laughs> I dropped out of community college and I'm you, smarter than you. The whole point is like you assume I'm a cop, so I'm in a cop car, and like then you you remove that mm, with the, the same hacksaw that he uses to cut the bodies because his saws were so interesting for three minutes of this film, and then nobody talked about him again. Uh, 
It's yeah, that that was annoying too. I was still reeling because that happens shortly after the part where he he says yeah, that I'll just rape you and not murder you. And then she goes, Okay, and he goes, I don't believe you. I'm gonna kill you anyway. Like, why was that you just wanted to say the word rape? That's all you yeah, wanted yes. to do as a writer of this That's film. Correct. There's no that line and that whole back and forth means goddamn nothing. It's stupid yeah. and it's just masturbatory, and it lends itself to me believing that the person who created this, the brother's fucking dowry or whatever, <laughs> that they fucking just love serial killers and are fascinated with murder and rape. Instead of wanting to actually explore something, they just want to talk about terrible shit, which is why I hate true crime. Yeah, uh, that was one of the chief criticisms of the film actually was that it's this idea that you want to explore shock, but you don't want to explore motive. Yeah, it's yeah. like every comedian's shitty rape joke. It's it's yep. It's yep. I want to say the word rape and make people feel that uncomfortableness, but I don't want to fucking talk about it in any way that you can get any answers or meaning out of. I just want to mm -hmm. talk about it. It was like exactly. on Bleak and Review, I did a fake ad once for a podcast and I did it as a bit about this. And I think maybe this will resonate was uh, the podcast was called Men Who Specifically Kill Women. Like that was the idea. <laughs> I, was like, I just want to, we're not going to find any answers. We just want to think about it for a while. Like that's the energy I was getting this whole time in this movie is like, I want you to think about terrible shit, but I don't want to like do anything with it. Actually engage with the thoughts. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There was no any, there was no, not even a hint of depth. At all, no. at any point. Except and for that was... fart fucking metaphor. The fart balloon metaphor. <laughs> the, that even oh my it. god, oh my god. The fart balloon might have been the smartest thing in the movie. It really yeah. is. It's Which the only it's... moment of artistic anything. <laughs> Which is devastating. Oh, fuck this movie. Again, this movie, I have to say, my, fuck this movie. One of my last notes I wrote uh, after I wrote, oh, great, Stockholm Syndrome. That's fucking cool. And then I wrote, who the fuck okayed this movie? And then the last thing I wrote was, how about no men get to write and direct films about women being tortured and raped ever again? How about that? How about that just never gets to happen again? Because that's all I got was vaguely fetishized torture porn with no answers or nuance or anything. Yeah. It's just upsetting for the sake of being upsetting. It's yeah. the kind of thing that will resonate with other movies. Like if I, I, it's will be it's like the next couple of found footage movies I'll see. I'm like, well, it's at least it's not that fucking piece of garbage. But it has this. Any time a, a relatively quality, well-made movie has similarity to this movie, I'm gonna be like, ah, oh, fuck, this ruined yeah. a, like a, it ruined a genre for me. That That's is a like. A, yeah. Oh, I was just uh, say I was just going to agree because like as Hollis knows like as a as a kind of budding horror fan one of my favorite genres of horror is found footage. Like I'm really into like par the paranormal activity franchise and I loved the last last exorcism and and all these things like I I watched this like thinking like it's found footage I'll at least get the thing I like out of found footage out of it and I just didn't get that. I didn't get it at all. Nope. No. Certainly Thankful not. Thankfully I I I do have some recommendations at the end that might yes. help out with this. Well, let's go to a quick break here uh, because we want to maybe dissect a little bit more of sure. the, uh, the, the, the phenomenon surrounding this film. I think, Hollis, you had some stuff on that. Uh, oh, I'm not a ton, but yeah. No, that's fine because then we'll get into our recommendations and watch this, not that. Who would I recommend this to? All that. But I do sure. have to pee really bad. So can we take a quick break here? Yeah. yeah go for right. it. We're going to be right back here on Fun Hinge with this fucking movie. <laughs> <clears throat> And we are back here on Fun Hinged, still talking, unfortunately, about the Poughkeepsie tapes. Yes. 
Um, uh, now, before we get into our recommendations and stuff here, uh, Hollis, you did a little bit of research into the culture surrounding this film's release in the uh, mid 2000s. Is that correct? Um, not quite. Okay. Well, so, then fuck that. So, <laughs> so, so it's more accurate to say, because that's the thing is there wasn't a lot to research about this film. Right. Uh, it's more accurate to say that I lived that culture for a minute. So I, I do have a little bit of insight there. So 2007, that is, I am, I'm a, oh gosh, why can't I not You would have been like a junior in high school, probably. Junior, junior was the word I was looking yes, for. Yes, yes. I was thinking, what's the thing after sophomore? <laughs> been a while. Pussy. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was a sophomore in high school, which meant that unfortunately that was the peak time for me to be a regular user of 4chan. Sure. And uh, as I was saying to Ethan during the break, uh, that's kind of what this movie feels like to me is it it felt like, you know, what if 4chan had like a $5,000 budget to make a movie? Um, Because that's the thing is at the time, you know, the Saw franchise was huge. Like shock was the big thing in basically every facet of alti culture like yeah. everything was rape jokes everything was racial jokes everything was misogynist everything was awful uh and at that point for the time, sake of being awful rather yeah. than doing anything with that yeah yeah yeah. and that was the point it's like the same reason that um i knew this is not a popular opinion amongst comedians uh it's part of why i don't like david tell right now sure is, sure is like i I remember there was a time when everyone thought he was the funniest comedian in the world. And if I visit his specials now, most of his jokes feel like shock for the sake of shock without anything right. more substantive. And having been on like that part of the internet for long enough, that bores me now. Like it's, yeah, I said I, midget. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not even that I find it offensive. It's that I find it boring because you can make anything blah, 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 blah rape blah 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 right blah. dead baby like it's it's easy is the thing that's it's, always been my criticism about that kind of like in the humor like in the comedy context it's like no i'm not offended i just find it lazy that you're this is like what you chose to do yeah right. it's it's, it's part like of, you better be the best fucking joke writer who's ever fucking lived yes yeah it's, it's have what, that it's, be remotely compelling yeah, it's why Anthony Jeselnik kind of gets a pass in the comedy. Because he's world. got great fucking joke writing. Yeah, yeah, he constantly says things that ostensibly are cancelable, and yet most people in the comedy world are like, yeah, I hate shock humor, except Anthony Jeselnik. I like yeah. him. He's funny. Because uh, he does think it out and write them well. And so that was a big part of what the culture was. And so you, you get this thing where like, shock horror torture porn they're all very big things but they don't have the budget to do a saw and therefore they can't commit the way they want to right and they're trying to rely on like i hate using this word right now um but almost not a lovecraftian thing of um the the fear is not the painting the fear is the negative space of the painting that i didn't fill in where you have to fill it in with your imagination right uh, like they're trying to do that and it doesn't work because all it is is shock 
And at this point, we as a culture have moved beyond that. We get it. We've all seen the most shocking things we can see. We've, we've all, all been on Rotten.com. We've all been yeah. on Augrish. We've seen the dead Iraqi we've soldiers. See, this is this is in a pre-two girls, one cup world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of people say pre and post 9-11. I usually go pre and post two girls, one cup. <laughs> or one yeah. guy, one jar. One guy, one jar, uh, pain Olympics, everything. Mm-hmm. Lemon party, all that shit. Lemon party, yeah. which I definitely put on par with people cutting their dicks off. It's uh, yeah. two old Asian guys kissing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's true. It's, it, you know what? As I think about like where I was at, I would say that culture was pretty rampant from like my middle school experience to my high school experience, like 2003 to 2008, like around that time, that was very prominent in the culture. And I feel like the Poughkeepsie tapes took the negative out of that like took took like literally like that concept is like we want to say horrible things and make a thing about a deranged guy and not really learn anything just look at a deranged guy and have people experience what it's like that this fake serial killer uh does this stuff and and it doesn't yeah it feels very like i said i think i was before i started recording but i think it feels like empty carbs to me it's just there's not really any substance there yeah, it's it's like I don't I've not gained a single thing. My life has there's nothing in my life that is better after yeah. having seen that movie or made me think about I didn't think about that before, which is what a good movie does. It yeah. grabs your attention and it's like here's something that makes me consider this and even if I even if it's something that like oh, this is a common trope, it made me look at it in a very unusual way and right. I have to look at myself and think what is what do I understand about this? What do I not? And how do I adjust? That's what good art does. And this yeah. is just like, all right, I'm fucking consuming this, getting nothing from it. It's like a fucking cheese stick or something like that. It's 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 yeah. like if you had taken like like the idea of profiling an insane serial killer isn't something that can't be done. Like Silence of the Lambs exists. It's great. Like, yeah. like yeah. But this is the antithesis of that to me. Yeah. Yeah. See, and that's like the the kindest thing I think I could say to this film, um, and I will give it this, I, I genuinely will, is that, well, I think it was a very bad movie. Um, I will give it this because of, honestly, not even the movie's thing, mostly because of the fact that it didn't get published after being put out. It did bring back a slight awareness to found footage as a genre because it That's wasn't good. the only of its type of its type at the time because i'll have two recommendations later down the line one will be from about this time and another from later uh but unfortunately the one i have to recommend is only now starting to get its due um was it from that same time yeah oh okay cool yeah um but that's the thing is like the kindest thing I could say to this film is like, hey, thanks for making it. It was bad, but it made other people go, hey, what if we did this but more thoughtfully? Yeah. And I think that's not completely without merit, even though I do I not have if, anything else kind to say about the film. Yeah, I don't even know if that's the case. I think it was just the idea that it existed. I don't think it was yes. like people responded. Yeah, no. The to most this important said, thing about this, this film. Better. Yes, the most important thing about this film, I genuinely, yeah, I, I feel that strongly, is it, the most important thing this, this film did was not anything the film did. It was that it brought the idea of this film. Yeah, it's the people. idea that that you can make a film with that found footage aesthetic. And then also, this is way before the true crime boom that we're currently living in, too. So, like, in that regard, I do give it a little bit of merit of, like, 
you did this thing where like you framed it like a you know what we would come to normalize on shit like id the id channel and like all these fucking murder shows and dr death and everything like i like you somehow tapped into stuff that was cool and relevant found footage true mm-hmm. crime but you just didn't pull it off but it maybe facilitated more good stuff to come out after i would think because uh, yeah 2007 there's not a, i mean maybe it helped in some sense like it wasn't like maybe. it wasn't like the be all end all like the reason people started doing it again but like kind of what you were saying like sure. it normalized the concept of making a found footage film again yeah yeah i'll maybe, give it maybe. that i don't know <laughs> yeah because that's 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 kind of my thing is like i I think they wanted to make a shock film. I don't think they had the budget to do it. And I was so trying to find the budget, by the way. I could not find it. I could not find the budget for. I mean, film. they filmed in 15 days, so how high could it? Yeah, they couldn't even afford. They couldn't, afford, than, like, they couldn't even afford to. Yeah, they couldn't even afford to like properly like have tape distortion. They got like a bad graphics guy to come in and do it after. Which, by the way, some USC film student. <laughs> Yeah, which by yeah. the way, like you did that for the sake of authenticity, and then you overdid it and made it really inauthentic. You made it look yeah. like Max Dragging. Headroom. <laughs> it's like I don't even know if they wanted like they. It's like, do you want it to look like a fake, like not how videos work? Is that like a style choice? Because it's not working. I don't. But it's yeah, it's, it just it's even adds- worse if you think like. If they tried something and it failed, that'd be one thing. But I think they're just like, oh, let's make this look like VHS. And it doesn't fucking look like VHS. Yeah, it kind of add some grain. Maybe add some scan lines every now and then. That's it. That's all you got to do. Look at Car- look at Harmony Corinne's Trash Humpers, okay? <laughs> don't watch anything by Harmony Corinne. I know. Is- no, I hate yeah. Harmony Corinne. We don't have to get things. In- Ethan, we don't have to get into it now, but I fucking hate Harmony Corinne. Don't yes. worry. We could talk about this at length. But I would say at the very least in Trash Humpers, it looks like authentic VHS footage. Uh, but <laughs> what it kind of harkens back to something you said earlier, Ethan, which is like if this was made, if they had pushed it a little bit extra further to make this a parody of a found footage horror film or like a, a true crime horror film then like those choices those weird vhs choices that they made that don't yeah they'd be elevated would make way more sense yeah but but the fact that it's trying to take itself seriously just doesn't work i think exactly yeah yeah exactly but also fuck carmen he (laughs) could Oh, I'm glad that you hit him too. We're gonna have to talk about that off. Oh, we're, we have a. I have a lot to say. I did a uh, whole Unpops episode about Spring Breakers where I just was relentless. I can't. I will not abide in Harmony Corinne film. <laughs> um, but speaking of Hollis, you kind of alluded to this earlier. Uh, uh, things that we recommend, obviously. Yes. From what we've said so far, none of us would actually recommend this movie to anybody. I don't think. No. No. Um, the. The only circumstance I would ever recommend this film under would be if you are already a deep, deep found footage nerd. And it's just like, oh, you haven't seen it yet? You're not missing anything, but if you need to complete your collection and have seen all of them, then yeah, go for it, I guess. But also the the most enthusiastic recommendation I could possibly give. Totally. Ethan, is that similar to your uh, situation with it? I wouldn't, I think that's giving it too much credit. (laughs) There is no reason to see this movie. It has no redeeming qualities and I hate every, hated every second I watched it. 
Yeah, the only way that I could pitch this movie to anybody was like piggybacking off what you said, Hollis, is like if they were a completionist. And then I would also still have to add it's only 82 minutes long is how I would if that if this movie was like two hours long, I would never talk about it to anybody. But the fact that it's barely over an hour, like I'm like, okay, like if you need to see it, it's it's a short watch. Relatively. Imagine if this was like a five episode arc. How I would that's what true crime is now, though. Like they make 10 fucking episodes out of a story like this. And they just milk it for everything. And that's, I, I, maybe we could at some point, Hollis, do an episode about how bad true crime is. I don't know. I want to get into how much I hate it. Uh, <laughs> I, this isn't the platform for it because this isn't true crime. This is fake crime and it's still bad. But uh, what I would say is that this did make me think of other stuff that I would recommend. And I'm sure that that's, that's something. Yeah, let's get want. into that. <laughs> uh, do you want, do you want to go first or do you want me to go? Uh, up to you. I'll go. I'll just say that mine is not a horror recommendation, but it is a law enforcement found footage film. Uh, And it's something that maybe people have seen already, but if they haven't, it's, I believe it's still on Netflix. End of Watch. Okay. Uh, With Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena. It's a found footage movie about LAPD. And like, yes, cops are bad. ACAB, of course. But like, it's a really fucked up movie in terms of what happens in it. And it's mostly filmed from body cam footage, is the idea behind it. Uh, but it's it's got like a lot of heart in it and there's a lot of like the character development is really good and I think it's a really interesting use of found footage in a crime-based genre that isn't just a hackneyed like we're going to talk to the cameras and then we're going to show you footage and then we're going to talk to the cameras and then we're going to show you a reenactment like it, it plays with the idea of found footage very interestingly uh, to where it's not about it's because it's not a horror film it's not a horror film it's a dramatic film uh, I just think I think End of Watch is very good, and I really recommend that to anybody who is interested in that genre or wants to see an interesting fucking cop movie where you know the cops in question aren't racist pigs. All right, that's my that's my recommendation. All right, so I got two. Hell yeah. Um, the first, just going back to the era, because I wish more people were aware of shit like this. Uh, this one's from 2008, a movie called Lake Mungo. Yes, I've been hearing. Actually, uh, Anne Bengston, who recommended this movie to us for the podcast, also told me in her message about how much she loves that movie. Lake Mungo is very good. Yes. Um, so Lake Mungo is uh, it's it's a found footage horror question mark movie. Um, it's about this 16 year old girl named Alice who goes missing. Uh, well, she drowns while swimming party and it's it's her family dealing with the fallout of that but also there's some ghostly things happening and the reason i say horror question mark is that like yes it's going to unnerve you a bit but it's also the only found footage movie i've seen it's the only horror movie i've seen where like i didn't walk away feeling scared i walked away feeling sad it's a very contemplative film it's a very thoughtful film and it's um yeah, it's it's the antithesis to this movie. It's it's a thoughtful movie. It's lightly paranormal, but not in like the overt way where like you're gonna get jump scared. It's gonna be things like, oh yeah, if you look in the background of this shot, that's Alice. Oh, there's some Hitchcockian shit going on. Yeah, yeah. like just deep in the background that they'll later revisit and be like, What yeah, she's right back there. And it's not a jump scare, it's not a shock thing, it's just a moment of like, huh. That's that shit that I love. That's the shit I love. Yeah. I love that. I, I couldn't recommend that one more highly. And like 2008, like good job, guys. Like you made, I would argue, 
one of the first truly thoughtful found footage movies. Um, the other one, this one's borderline cheating. It's <laughs> it's kind of a found footage movie, but not really. Sure. Okay, so the reason I recommend this one is because it does the um, the Poughkeepsie tapes thing of like, oh, this this tape is so fucked up. But they do it in a way that I actually liked, um, which I didn't think I would, because the first time I tried to watch this movie, I turned it off. And was it VHS? No. Okay, I was just curious. Movie that's what I started thinking of. No, it's a movie called Antrim. Oh, I've heard of this. Yes. So, so with Antrim, what it is is um, it starts off in documentary format, and it's all these like film experts and uh, some historians talking about this movie called Antrim where it's the real life version of like the film from the ring or cigarette burns or name one where it's like watching this movie will kill you. Sure. And then they talk about how they actually had to get like two different guys to when they, when they first aired the film, uh, the theater caught fire and everyone died and Beautiful. everyone who's watched it since has died. And it's, it's from Russia. It's from the seventies. And they talk it up in this way and then they're like, all right, now we're going to show you the movie. Also, we had two different editors come in to like restore the movie. They each took a different half of the movie so they wouldn't die and they put it together. Neither of them will be in the theater when watching it. Like, well, when they, when they first presented the movie, they they like said that, like, that's the deal. And neither of them will be in the theater to watch this because they don't want to die. They'll come ah, back and answer questions later. That's which, great. I that's love that. Cute. That's, that's world building. Yeah, it's cute. It's fun. And this so, is something that I think that you've told me about, actually. I'm like, I heard of that, and I realized it's because you told me about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we should probably do an episode about it at some point. Oh, I would love uh, to. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I was ready to walk out on that film because it's like, there's no fucking way you can live up to that. Right. And then I kept going anyway. And, like, did they need that intro? No. But it actually weirdly helped because the movie is constantly spliced with all these little images and demonic sigils everywhere. Like you have to really like keep an eye open for them because they're constantly popping up. Oh, that's great. But it's a slow burn movie that feels like it was made in the 70s in the vein of like Rosemary's Baby or The Omen. Like it's a sure. genuinely very good horror movie that happens to have this like a little bit too try hard. Like, oh, this movie's going to kill you thing. And like, if you can get over that, it's a good movie. I like it a lot. Hell yeah. I'm super into that. And I think we should probably do an episode on that at some point. Because that's delightful. Cool. I'd love to. Uh, Ethan, do you have any uh, thing that you would recommend in the absence of the Poughkeepsie tapes to something to somebody who wants something that's like it, but maybe better? I think in terms of, it's not a found footage movie, but it's one of my go-to in terms of what I was talking about, with like emotional sure. horror Uh it's the only, it's called Compliance. I don't know if you, you have seen this movie. I know about, talked yes. about it. Yep, yep. And what I, it's, it's a 2012 movie and it's based on a real life thing where this, it was a, it, it, calling it a prank call is, is way too simplistic because it's sure. basically a kind of thing where a guy called a fast food restaurant and said this theft has happened and basically manipulated everyone who works at this fast food restaurant into this horrible life where they did horrible things to each other. And it's pure verbal and psychological manipulation. It's kind of um, like Lord of the Flies meets like uh, uh, when a stranger calls. <laughs> kind of, but it's, it's, it's amazing how they accomplish so much with just words. 
Like just absolutely, through, just through words. I had to turn oh, the movie off awesome. four times before I finished it. Four times. Ooh. I watched that it back kept when it escalating. Yeah, I watched right. that back in. No, I was just saying I watched that back in college. I haven't seen it since. So actually, that I'm glad you brought that up because I want to rewatch it now. But that is a very, like, I feel like that is the kind of friction that this Poughkeepsie tape exactly wanted, wanted to get, and they just couldn't. But like compliance is a very good. It's, example of that it's exceptionally made it's exceptionally well acted the acting yes. is unbelievable. well that's the other that's the other big difference is that there's good yeah. acting in it <laughs> but it's also like the fact that it is based on a real thing is actually adds a level of chilling to the compliance i mean it's because it's you know it's based on incident i don't know how much the actual incident is similar to this but what this movie accomplishes it's like you follow along with the logic like it's very easy to see how people in this situation could respond to this the way they have. And so the fact that like, holy shit, if this was me, I may have done exactly everything that's happening in this movie because this is how convincing this guy on the phone is. Whereas um, like in the Poughkeepsie tapes, like you don't feel connected to anybody involved because everyone right. seems so I could talk about compliance yeah. forever. Like that movie I, is yeah. Perhaps we'll have you back on to do an episode about that in the future. Yeah, because that knows? that's that that in terms of psychological that may be that's in like my top five horror movies. And it's it's like it's not more I mean, of there's a, yeah, so psychological horror. Psych, it's, not, it's it's in terms of psychological I don't think I've ever seen a movie that will get in that's crawled into my soul like that movie. I get um, it. I totally get it. It's made it. by the guy who did Homestar Runner, made by one of the co-founders no of Homestar shit. Runner. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's I, awesome. Yeah, it's insane. And like, I looked at it I'm like, what the fuck? How did this happen? Yeah, but that- I'm glad that, you brought that movie up, actually. I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. It's so good. It's so, it's amazing. Um, and it does everything this movie fails to spectacularly at. It succeeds just as spectacularly on the other end of this. So yeah, that, yeah I can't recommend yeah. that one enough. It's like, it's like if you've seen Poughkeepsie Tapes and you want the polar opposite, but with a similar framing- but like like polar opposite in terms of enjoyment. Yeah, well, it's not it's not in terms of framing because it's not a documentary. It's not a found footage. Right, it's like right, a right. straight like narrative. It's a, yeah, a it's narrative a, film. But it is, but it has that like it, the fact that it is like a rip from the headlines thing is the, sort of the subtext. Of that the does movie. actually that actually brings up an interesting question before we get into the the end of the episode here. I'm curious what you guys think about this. Do you think the Poughkeepsie tapes would have worked better if they didn't try to do it as a mockumentary and they just made it a movie about a serial killer? Hmm. I don't know if I trust this movie to... I don't trust the director or the writer at all. I don't trust the brother's dowry or whatever. Down syndrome. I mean, it would just be it would just be like a weak-ass Saw movie. Like, weak-ass hostile. Kind it of might thing. be... I feel like the fact that they tried to do something different with it, like, while admirable in the effort, made it worse. Like, if it was just a shit movie about a serial killer, like so many of them are... The brothers Doddle, of course, is their name. Brother, uh, brothers Kid Diddlers. The brothers Kid Diddlers. The brothers Girl Scout fuckers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like the fact that they tried to do this elevated form with it detracts a lot because this could have been a shit slasher movie that like we forgot about, but like for like I feel like I wouldn't have hated it as much because of the framing of it. Yeah, I, well, because that's the thing is like for for all the bad acting for all the bad writing for all the bad everything yeah the easily the most distracting part was the fact that you're constantly looking at this warped vhs that is warped in a way that you never see in a way that like you can tell that someone ran 
this very specific filter over it. Um, and then there's like these jarring edits between, and we don't have to get back into the whole, everything we hate about. The I movie. do want to bring up this one. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I just want to say, I just want to say the jarring edits between a talking head segment. And then they cut to the found footage thing. And it's like the audio cuts out and they do like these glitch things. Cause it's VHS, yeah. but it, it doesn't add to the realism and it just makes the whole experience more jarring and not that great to me. My thing is this, Hey, whenever you're interviewing the guy from the FBI or the CIA at his desk, why a Dutch angle? Why? Why a Dutch angle? Why is it canted? Why? <laughs> That's not how you do FBI interviews. <laughs> if it's the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, sure. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. This is real, some real German expressionist shit. Oh, uh, right yeah, here, baby clearly. boy. You get Klaus Kinski's ass up in this motherfucker, then we can talk. <laughs> The first time anyone said get Klaus Kinski up in this motherfucker. Up in this motherfucker. That's the first time that's ever been said. I would, use the fric- I would use the friction between myself and Klaus to create a rock and party atmosphere. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm drunk. We should probably end the episode. Um, <laughs> I think we've, we've uh, uh, I want to say, first of all, before we get into plugs, thank you to Ann Bangston for recommending this fucking nightmare of a movie to us because. This has never been an easier fun hinged episode to do, I think. Yeah, I had almost no research to do, and that was <laughs> a nice weight off my shoulders. I got to just be mad at a movie for a while. <laughs> and, and, and for that, course, I thank you. And, and of course, has been a longtime supporter of Bleak and Review in general. And for that, I thank you. And Ethan, thank her for something also. Thank you for uh, being from another country, but yet supporting <laughs> Kevin. Nailed uh, it. Fucking nailed it. <laughs> Uh, obviously this episode's coming out at some point next week. I don't know the exact date, probably Monday or something. We'll find out. Um, sure. Uh, Ethan Stanislavski, where can people find you? Where do you want them to go? What do you want to promote? Tell them about it. Uh, I think for now I'm involved in a lot of projects. I had a podcast on hiatus called my team sucks. That's right. Podcast. I haven't done it in a little bit. I got burnt out, but I'm going to try to bring it back with some ways in the near future. Um, you can also follow my sketch team. Um, Night Church, we're not doing much right now, but we are at Hail Night Church on Twitter and Instagram and just regular old Night Church on Twitch, um, which we'll do things with here and there. Uh, for now, just follow me. I'm Even I'm not posting that much now. I'm writing a lot offline. But yeah, follow me at Ethan Stan Comedy, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. I post every so often. I, I'm, I'm funny. I like what Ethan's I do. Ethan's hilarious, everybody. Yeah. And stop saying he's not. <laughs> thank you see thank you made it full circle (laughs) no honestly obviously ethan you've been a long time friend of bleak and review and people know that you're great and uh night church i'm just a big fan of and like the people involved with that and people should definitely be checking that out if they're not already find our youtube scour us um hit me up if you're like this is awesome that'd be nice to get compliments on twitter yeah send ethan compliments yes hollis what's up with you what do you want to talk about uh let's see uh well, the article is dropped for Kicking and Screaming. Yeah. Uh, if if you are a poor and can't get on their Patreon, it'll be available for free next month. Um, I, I have a monthly deal with them now, so I'm currently working on an article about Earthbound and the weird legacy on horror that that yes. had. Uh, so you can you can find my writings there. Uh, you can find me on this podcast. And you I'm sure can. Really, I'm not really doing social media right now. You can find me at It's Hollis Black, but like it's once in a blue moon that I post anything. It's kind of that. That's kind of what's going on. I've noticed a little bit with certain people, especially from a like specific friend circle in comedy is like 
it kind of ebbs and flows with how much we were willing to give to social media. And I'm kind of in a downturn myself. Like I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, speaking of which you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at KB Anderson. Yo, I'm out here. I'm putting out jokes. Occasionally I'm talking about life. I'm talking about the streets. It's good. Uh, if you're not already go ahead and check out bleak and review of the podcast. It's free uh, anywhere you get podcasts every single goddamn Friday. Uh, today's episode, uh, uh, oh, t- oh, not today's episode, tomorrow's episode on the day we're recording this. So last week's episode, who could care? Uh, it's great. We got Nadav Fleischer and Blanca from Street Fighter on there. Uh, it's a really, oh, hell yeah. 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 Hell Blanca yeah. comes back to talk about the Jezebel debacle. Uh, it's great. <laughs> it's great. I really recommend it. Uh, it's a real fun episode. Go check it out and, uh, you know, rate, review, subscribe, tell people about Patreon stuff. I'm going to be getting some, uh, I'm in the, I'm making it happen. It's going to happen. Like you have to bear with me, but I'm getting some t-shirts out to all of our Patreons. I'm going to get, I'm going to be oh, cool. one of those messages of like, give me your fucking address and I'm going to get you some goddamn shirts. So um, look forward for that. And uh, Ethan Stanislavski, thank you so much for being here today. I love being here. Love, love, love uh, he, talking to you always. Listen, listen to that. That's the most genuine thing you could possibly get on a podcast. Oh, and Hollis and I will be back probably next week. Uh, we don't know exactly what I want to do, Possessor, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> uh, we will be back with another episode very soon. Uh, Hollis, tell the people the goodbyes. Goodbye. Ethan, tell the people the goodbyes. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. We will see you soon. Don't watch the Poughkeepsie tapes. <laughs>